Good morning, everybody. You are to be commended. The nicest weekend of the year so far, and today promising to be the hottest day of the day so far, or the year so far, and you are all here. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, what a blessing to be together this morning. Um, as you may know, Pastor Mike is on his way back from a regional camp that he spoke at in Northern California this last week. So he's missed his second Sunday in a row. Uh, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Chris say um, that we went to the bullpen to get the right-handed reliever uh, because Mike was out of the game. I guess that makes me the closer because next week we'll be back to our starting rotation. So yeah, fast Eddie Diaz bringing the heat this morning. If you're a Mariner fan, you get that. Uh, I do want to just mention, last week Pastor Chris talked about uh, us being made and designed to partner with God in ruling this world that he made for us. And one of the things that he said that I want to allude to this morning, he said that one of the ways we are to rule, the way that Jesus ruled, is to empower others to be the best that they can be. So what my prayer is this morning is that what I have to offer will be empowering to you to be the best that you can be. We are continuing this morning uh, in our series, Equipped. We've been working our way through 2 Timothy, uh, and we'll be, a little later, we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you want to find that and be ready for that when we get there. Um, we've been working through 2 Timothy. As, as Pastor Mike has told us, it's the last letter that Paul wrote, and it's a letter that he wrote from prison in Rome. And he's described to us that a prison in Rome is not necessarily a comfortable place to be. But Paul's mind and his heart was still for the church, and he wanted to pass on instructions. Now, Paul may not have known that this was going to be the last letter that he ever wrote to someone or to the church. But he had to know he was getting near the end of his opportunity. So he wanted to make the most, I'm sure, of the words that he wrote to Timothy. He knew this would be important for Timothy, uh, a man that he called a son in the faith, but he also knew that the church would be reading this letter because it was common in those days for a letter that'd be written to a particular church or to a particular person would get passed around to other churches. So he knew this would be important. And as we've been discovering, as Pastor Mike has walked us through 2 Timothy, there are incredible, invaluable lessons that equip us for living the life of faith. You know, we all go through our lives and we experience different experiences. We have ups and we have downs. We have good times and we have bad times. What, when we go through, if we go through some of those down times, as we go through those bad times, we begin to realize that what is important is not so much the event or what are the outcome of that event, that bad situation that occurs. But what's most important is how we respond to it. We can walk through those difficult and hard times and get thrown off our game, get thrown for a loop, and begin to respond emotionally with harsh reactions. Or we can respond with faith 
and with maturity and with stability. I want to share a little story from my own life. And I know Pastor Mike often goes back to childhood for his bad stories on himself, but I didn't have to go back quite that far. Um, about seven, eight years ago, and some of you who were here knew, know that, um, I was here on staff as associate pastor for a time. I, had, I felt God had called me to prepare for ministry later in my working life. And so I had I'd done some preparation. I went through instay, which we offer here at Celebration Center, and I got my bachelor's degree in Christian ministry. And I applied for and got my license, ministerial license, with Open Bible. And the opportunity came to come on staff and to work here as associate pastor. Now, while I was in that role, I remember sharing with Brenda and I shared with a few others that you know, I always liked the work that I had done throughout my career in the secular world. It always was meaningful, it was important, um, and I enjoyed it. But this was different. I felt like I was at home, that this is where I was meant to be. This is what I was meant to do. So it, it, we came upon a point about, about a year or so into that, uh, into that uh, time frame the church was struggling financially. And unfortunately, the church leadership had to make the really difficult decision to cut my position. Well, as you can imagine, that threw me for a loop. Here I was in a role that I felt like I was made for and I was supposed to be in, and, and, and it was going away. But after I got over the initial shock, I thought, okay, God, there's something else. What do you have for me? So I tried my best to stay anchored in my faith and to keep pushing forward. Well, I spent the next year applying for pastoral positions of various types within Open Bible and within a few non-denominational churches. And other than one preliminary phone interview that I got for a position in California that never went any farther than that, I never received any responses back not even to acknowledge that I had applied. I was getting pretty discouraged by this point in time. In fact, I would say I was getting a bit depressed. This was throwing me. I was getting off my game, so to speak. In fact, it took Brenda to kick me in the rear to get me going again because it had been quite some time since I had any work and uh, uh, I needed to get something going. The lesson, as I look back on that time, is that even though I was pretty well grounded and pretty stable and solid in my faith, I still got uprooted from my foundation. I got taken out of my game. I got disturbed, if you will. And, and it took a while to get back to being productive. And that's why this message this morning is so important. To share. It is so important that we stay diligent in being connected to that which anchors us, that which keeps us stable. See, I had forgotten one of my lifetime, lifelong core verses that I always remembered. I'd forgotten it. Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. I'd forgotten that for a time during that year. 
I wasn't expecting anything good. I wasn't seeing anything good. And I was not being productive. By the way, just to quickly finish my story, shortly after a year or so, um, God provided a job for me at the Puyallup School District in kind of a miraculous way. One of my acquaintances from earlier in my career just called me out of the blue and said, I think I have some work that you'd be good for. Are you still looking? Now, this wasn't exactly the call I was hoping for. I was hoping, you know, some church would call me, but, uh, but it was a blessing. And it was supposed to be a short-term assignment. Well, I'm there now six years after that, and I'm going to retire from the school district later this year. And, and I'm really thankful and blessed for that job. It's been a joy to be able to, to uh, support my own community school system. But I was wondering, what, what about this call that I felt that I had to serve the Lord and to minister? Well, it was about that same time that I caught a call from Willow Gardens Retirement Community. And as many of you know, um, I have been serving there since then, also six plus years, providing church services along with some faithful team members from here that join me on Sunday mornings to provide a church service for the residents there who can't get out to their own uh, neighborhood church. God did indeed work for my good. There was just a period of time where I wasn't seeing it. See, when those things hit, when things hit us in life, we need to have anchors. Those things that are deeply rooted in our lives that keep things stable, keep things real. For some, that's a specific person that keeps us grounded and accountable. For others, it's maybe a strongly held belief that they keep coming back to. Others may have a hobby or an activity that keeps them focused and engaged. For believers, we are to stay anchored in our faith. See, these anchors are the things that we, we go to when times get rough or we get tested. These are the things we go to that, that we hang on to that keeps us stable they guide our responses. They calm our nerves. They keep us focused, and they help us stay true to ourselves and keep us moving forward. See, as a, as a believer in Jesus, we will get tested from time to time. Temptations will come that encourage us to seek pleasure or financial gain in a wrong way. Or people will ridicule us or exclude us. Have you ever experienced that, you know, when people are talking at work and there may be some rough language going on and when you walk into the group, all of a sudden the language cleans up and you kind of feel like an outcast? You know, that happens to us because of our beliefs. We may even have people close to us, family members, who encourage us to go against what we know is right in the Lord because it doesn't suit their purposes at the moment. It's in those times of testing that we need to go to our anchor, to the root of our beliefs. And for as Christians, we need to be rooted in the word. Right here, the scripture, the Bible, this is our root. This is where we are to turn. This is what is to be our anchor in our lives. You know, Jesus knew the importance of being rooted in the word. He taught his disciples 
a parable that probably most of us know, a parable of the sower, about sowing seed, which represented the word of God. And if you're familiar with the story, many people view that parable to be about evangelism, how the word is received when it is sown into different conditions. But if you look at it closer, it, I think it really goes way beyond that. Jesus is more interested in what happens after the word is planted. Does it grow? Does it last? Does it produce? Now, in that parable, he talked about four soil conditions that the seed is sown into. I'm just going to look at one of them this morning. Uh, looking at that parable in Matthew 13, verses 5 and 6 say this. Some, meaning some of the seed, fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now, after Jesus told this story, he was in a discussion with his disciples. They were asking, why do you always talk in these stories? And he was explaining to them uh, why he spoke in parables. And, and they asked him, tell us about this parable of the sower. We don't get it. What, what is this all about? So he went on to explain that parable to them. And here's what he said about those couple of verses that we read out of the parable a little later in chapter 13 of Matthew. He said, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, it, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Jesus is describing somebody who hears about him, about God's love, and accepts it and experiences maybe this initial joy in it. But that person does nothing to develop their roots in his belief in God. He just goes along until trouble comes. Then he doesn't have the depth of belief that keeps him anchored to God, and he falls away, goes back to life without the Lord a life of doing things their own way. Some of us may be like those rocky places where the seed was scattered. We came to believe in Jesus, and we found joy. And we started coming to church, and we enjoyed the services. We enjoyed the music. We enjoyed the preacher. We tried to get here every Sunday. But that was the end of our pursuit of faith. We never invested in developing our root system. We didn't connect in a meaningful way with others. We never crack open our Bible except when Pastor Mike or whoever is up here asks you to open it to the passage of the day. If that describes you, that describes the person in the parable, and you are in danger of withering when times get tough. There's another root issue that we can talk about. These are roots that get established, but they never grow to their full potential. Gardeners and landscapers understand this. Jeff will be able to explain this. He does a lot with plants. Certain kinds of plants 
You can start them out in a small pot, and they do just fine for a while. But they'll only grow so big. They won't get any farther than that because their root system is constrained by the size of the pot. Now, the wise gardener is going to transplant that plant into a bigger pot and watch it as it begins to grow again and begins to flourish again. And in fact, there may be several pots in the life of that plant to get it to its full growth and its full glory. Some of us are like that plant where we started to take care, we started to pursue growing our roots in the scripture, but we never expanded because our, we constrained our growth. Maybe through lack of attention, maybe not investing our time, or maybe it's a sin issue that you just don't want to deal with and those are like the confines of a small pot that are holding us back, constraining the growth of our roots. We need to expand our options and explore more and more in our relationship with Jesus if we expect to keep growing. We desire to be good soil with an unconstrained root system that allows us to grow and thrive. So I want to dig into this passage that we have this morning in 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17 is where we will be. <clears throat> it says this. You, talking to Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, Persecutions and sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, <clears throat> because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, <clears throat> rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to go back through this and just kind of break it down verse by verse and see what Paul has to say to us this morning about being rooted in the scripture. He starts by pointing to his own life as an example. He starts with reminding Timothy that he knows what Paul taught. He knows the things that he taught. Now, Paul knew scripture better than anyone. He was trained as a Pharisee, and he was one of the top of the Pharisee sect. And so he knew scripture. And then it came alive to him when he, was, when he learned from Jesus how Jesus himself had fulfilled all of the scripture. And that how everything Jesus taught was life-giving. And that was the basis for what Paul taught. The implication is clear. Can we go back to verse 10 on the screen? The implication is clear. He, he talks about 
his teaching, what he taught. And what's the next thing he says? My way of life. What he taught was reflected in the way that he lived. The implication is clear. The word will lead to the conduct of your life. Or at the very least, what you believe in the conduct of your life should be in sync. Or maybe let me say it a different way. The conduct of your life will ultimately reveal what you believe. Paul believed the scripture and his life reflected it. He went on to describe the characteristics of that life. He said, my purpose, the things that he taught, the scripture, the word of, the, of God gave him purpose in life. And boy, are we thankful for that because of the Apostle Paul the church grew and exists today as we know it. He said, faith, the word and the fulfillment of scripture through Jesus gave him an unshakable faith. It gave him patience in all things. It taught him to love others. You know, sometimes you look at Paul and the way he wrote and the way he dealt with people, you don't automatically think this is a loving guy. But stop and think about it. He literally gave his life to serve others for the kingdom of God. And I can't think of any more loving thing to do. Yes, I know it was Paul who said, uh, no, it was Jesus, sorry, who said that no greater love has anyone than this than he laid down his life for a friend. Paul did that. And he said he had endurance. And he needed endurance, because as he goes on into verse 11, he talks about dealing with persecutions and sufferings. And he just alludes to these three cities. He doesn't go into what happened there, because Timothy knew well what happened in those cities. But let me tell you, let me fill you in on what happened there. You can read about it in the book of Acts. But in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas arrived on the scene and they were preaching the gospel and they were so successful in their message that the crowds grew and grew and grew and the Jewish leaders got jealous. Look at the crowds they're attracting. We don't get that in synagogue on the Sabbath. This isn't right. We've got to stop this. They became jealous, and they started contradicting the teacher, teachings of Paul and Barnabas. And they used their influence with the leading uh, women and men of that city and got them to kick Paul and Barnabas out of town. They just drove them out of town. We don't want you here anymore. Get out. So Paul and Barnabas went on their way. Uh, they went to Iconium. And same kind of thing happened. They were preaching the word and they were having a lot of success and seeing a lot of fruit to their preaching. But they got word that the Jewish leaders had a plot to stone them. So they had to run out of town, flee for their lives and, and move on out of fear for their lives. Well, then they arrived in Lystra and same sort of thing. They're preaching the gospel. They're having great success. Well, Jews from Antioch and Iconium were frustrated that these guys were continuing to spread their message. So they came down to Lystra. They got with the Jewish leaders there, and they did, in fact, stone Paul. I'm not sure how Barnabas escaped that, but 
We know that Paul was stoned in Lystra and stoned to the point of, of near death. They dragged him out of the city, left him laying on the ground, presuming that he was dead. He needed endurance to go through that, and he went through that and continued his focus on his mission for God because his roots in the word were so deep. In verses 12 and 13 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul makes a promise to us that we don't often talk about in church. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Woohoo! Yay! Come follow Jesus and be persecuted, be ridiculed, be excluded from your social circles. Yeah, sign me up. We don't talk about it, but it's true. It happens. We need to be ready. See, living for Jesus isn't just a continual road of blessings. Now, yes, blessings will come often come in ways that you don't expect. But along the road, there will be those evil people who are trying to deceive you and pull you away from your faith. So with that set up, Paul then moves into the prescription for how to deal with a life of tests and persecutions. In verse 14, he instructs Timothy to continue in what you have learned. Now, the Greek word that is translated continue is the Greek word meno, and it has this meaning, and the meaning of staying, abiding in, dwelling, or remaining. So Paul is saying, stay with what you have learned, abide in it, dwell in the truth of the word that you have learned. Just because it suits the title of my message this morning, I might sum that up by saying, he's saying, become rooted in what you have learned. Let it take hold deep inside you. Paul tells Timothy he can trust what he learned in uh, verse, there in verse 14. Uh, you can trust what you learned because you know from whom you learned it. And he already said his life was driven uh, the conduct of his life was driven because of his roots in Scripture and the things that he taught. And it's important for us to know that. Paul's teaching was proven through the conduct of his life, and we should know and validate the teaching that we receive by the conduct of our teachers' lives. And, and put it a different way, we need to be careful about who we allow to teach us. We need to be careful about who we listen to. Does their life prove out what they're saying? Because remember this, the uh, warning that he gave in verse 13 about those who would attempt to deceive us. So you need to test and prove the teachers that you listen to. In verse 15, Paul alludes to Timothy knowing the scriptures from infancy. Now, we know a little bit about Timothy. He had a God-fearing mother and a grandmother, and, uh, and we know that he was raised in the way of scripture from a, a young boy. Now, we may not have all had that. Our infancy in scripture may have happened a little later in life than from when we were a little toddler. 
But it doesn't matter. Because scripture, no matter where we start in life and our pursuit of it, is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then we get to verse 16. This is the key verse for us. Verse 16 and 17 are key verses for us this morning. Verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed. What does that mean? Well, Peter helps us understand a little bit in his second letter. He said, prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The idea is that, yes, humans wrote down the words of Scripture, but they did so as they were led by the Holy Spirit. God was directing the message that should be written. And I don't want to look, overlook that word all. All Scripture is God-breathed, all scripture. What that says to me is if you believe any of it, you must believe all of it. It is all useful to us. If you ever wonder if you can trust what is written in this book, this is the reason. Scripture is God-breathed. It is directed by the Holy Spirit. It is God speaking to us. God inspired the message as the authors wrote it down. There's a number of good books. You just think about this. There's 66 books in the Bible written by approximately 40 authors over the course of centuries, and it all hangs together and tells God's story. Could that be possible unless God was directing it, directing the authors? I don't think so. But if you ever struggle with believing the authenticity of the Bible or that you can trust it as an authority for your life. There's a number of good books that talk about the evidence of the authenticity of the scripture. Check them out if you need to get over that hump because this is what we base our life on here at Celebration Center. Paul moves on. He says, okay, I'll skip scripture as God breathed, so what do we use it for? It's useful for teaching. The word is instructive. It helps us understand what is godly character and what is godly behavior. It gives us guardrails that helps keep us on the road, the road to righteousness. He also says the word is useful for rebuking. Oh, boy. We all know what a rebuke is, right? It's when somebody strongly expresses their disapproval of what you are doing or saying. It's a reprimand. It's being scolded. And we don't like it. When it happens, I can imagine us standing there thinking, thinking back to our mothers doing this. Don't you do that again. We don't feel good when that happens. Now, I know some of us hear that. It's useful for rebuking, and they think, yeah, now I know I can go tell my neighbor what, what they're doing is wrong. I can rebuke them because it's, what they're doing is not right with Scripture. Well, yes, sometimes there may be a place for us 
to rebuke someone who is doing wrong. But I want to caution you. Paul taught us in the book of Galatians that if you are to correct someone who is caught in sin, your goal is to restore them, not beat them down. Your goal is to restore them, and he says to do it gently. So yes, that is, that is part of this, but that's not the main part. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever rebuked yourself? Seriously, have you ever rebuked yourself? Have you ever had that strong talking to conducted by yourself? Come on, I know some of you have. I know you talk to yourselves and you, when you mess up. Sometimes we need to self-correct. Sometimes we need to get ourselves back on track. Sometimes it's just up to us. Well, scripture can be our conscience. It can be the thing that identifies for us and helps us rebuke ourselves, if you will, where we need to change. And that leads us to the next part of the verse. Scripture is useful for correcting. Once scripture, once we get to that point where we see we need to change this, whether it's pointed out to us by someone else or whether we identify it ourselves, we get to that point where we need to change it. Where do we figure out what to change or what to change to? It's scripture. The word will help us see what correct attitudes and behaviors we should adopt. Then he moves to training in righteousness. Now, it kind of sounds the same as teaching, but here's how I, I look at it. Once we've moved beyond basic teaching, and once we've identified and rebuked those things in ourselves that need to change and we've corrected them, then we can move deeper. We can move beyond the correcting and the things that need to be changed. We can move deeper into understanding of God's character and grow into maturity, grow into true righteousness. So I think this training in righteousness is where we go deeper. We dig our, deep, our roots. We let our roots grow down even deeper to the point where they're difficult to pull out. You ever tried cleaning blackberry bushes out of your yard? Those roots go forever, and they're impossible to get out. Those are the, I don't like blackberry bushes in my yard, but those are the kind of roots in this word that I want to have, difficult to get out. Then we go to verse 17. This is the goal of all of this, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the ultimate goal to be rooted in Scripture, to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God may have for us to do. And I want to emphasize the word thoroughly there. The idea of the Greek behind that, uh, by, behind that word thoroughly is to finish, as in finish the task or complete it. In this case, to be a finished product that is completely equipped to face life and its mission, and its ups, and its downs. We just had our house painted this last week. And the last thing I want to do when I hire somebody to paint our house is to hire someone who's partially equipped. 
Nobody wants that. Nobody wants someone who comes with a ladder who's not tall enough to get to the, the highest places, or they come with spray cans instead of that big you know, compressor and you know, industrial spray tools, and, and, or they don't have the experience to make good decisions. That's not what we want for something that important. Actually, the guy that we had was, was very knowledgeable and very good. He actually even delayed the paint job for a couple of days because he said the wood was too moist to take the paint and he, he wouldn't be able to stand behind it. So he made that decision. He did a really good job because he was thoroughly equipped. You don't want somebody taking on an important job that isn't thoroughly equipped. Well, guess what? God wants us to be thoroughly equipped to do the mission he's called us to do, being his witnesses and his disciples here on earth. He wants us to be fully and thoroughly equipped to live life properly and to be his witnesses to this world. Scripture is what enables that equipping. So what do you do? How do you become rooted in the word? Well, it's really not magic. It's really not difficult. It's just some practical steps we all can do. It's just a matter of making it a priority to do them. I'm going to start talking about personal study. There are many ways to go about personal study of the scripture. You can find numerous reading plans online or buy them. You can buy Bible study books. Uh, we may have, I'm not sure, we may still have some life journals here at church that you can buy for just a few bucks that takes you on a reading journey that gets you through the Bible in a year. And the life journal um, has a process to it that encourages you to write down what you learn, kind of journal style, that's why they call it a life journal. Uh, writing down the things that you learn from the scripture that you read. It's one of the ways, I know when I write something down, I tend to remember it better than if I just read it and say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Not every passage you read is going to speak to you, but when you do come across those where you gain new insight or it confirms something important, you write it down. The Life Journal process can easily be remembered with the acronym of SOAP, S-O-A-P. SOAP stands for Scripture. It's basically the, the reading you're going to do that particular day. Whatever program you're following, whatever reading you're going to do, if you're just opening the Bible to read it for yourself, you read that scripture. The O stands for observation. Write or note the things in the passage that you see. What's happening? Who's interacting? What principles are being revealed? What truths are there that you see in the words? A stands for application. Determine how what you have learned will be applied in your life. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to be different because of what you just read? And then P stands for prayer. Committing what you learned to prayer. Asking God to help you apply it in your life. Sometimes even writing the prayer down in your journal can be helpful to solidify that request to God. Soap. It's an easy, simple process. It's easy to remember, but it works at getting scripture rooted into your life. And it works no matter what kind of reading program. You don't have to buy a life journal. You may have another 
process you want to use. You may just want to read on your own and, and you have books you want to go through in, this, in the Bible. It doesn't matter. Whatever reading you do, you can use soap. And you can let it root into your heart. Something else you can do in your personal study, and you're going to groan at this one probably, is scripture memorization. Ugh. I have not always been consistent in memorizing scripture. There have been times when I've been forced to. Instay forces you to do that. There's been times where I wanted to because something that I, I read just I knew it was important. <coughs> but when you come across a verse or a passage that, that really speaks to you, work on memorizing it. Then you have it right at hand, no matter when, no matter where, whether you have a Bible handy or not. I call it hiding the word in your heart. And we read in, Deuteron in Deuteronomy chapter 30, says, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth, and it is in your heart, so you may obey it. Hiding the word in your heart so that you have it, you can obey it. I, it's so important to know scripture personally, because when you are facing the issues of life, and when you're in the heat of the moment, how often do you get to say, time out? I don't know what I want to say to you right now, so hold on a minute. I'm going to go back and look in my Bible, or I'm going to call my Bible study leader and see how I should respond to you because I'm just not sure. No, we don't get to do that. In the heat of the moment, we respond. We want that response to be in line with the Word of God. We want it to reflect the character of God. We want it to reflect the values that we hold as important in our lives. Knowing scripture personally enables that. It's the backbone for all believers. Don't rely just on the preaching on Sunday mornings to be your only exploration of God's word. That is a way that we constrain our root development. They won't get very deep. They won't allow you to grow very big unless you make an investment personally. Another avenue for deepening our roots in the word is joining a group study. We have opportunities here frequently at church to join a Bible study or a, a focused uh, study group. And while the spirit can and does lead us individually into understanding the word, it's helpful to hear what other brothers and sisters have to say, what they have learned from the same words that we read. Our understanding may be sharpened because of the wisdom of others. And by the way, I, I want to just give this encouragement. If you're fairly new in the faith or fairly new believer and you go to a Bible study, our tendency is to say, well, I need to learn from them. I need to be sharpened by them. I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to try and soak it all up. But you know what? God can speak through anybody that he chooses. And there's many times where someone new in the faith will have some insight that all those experienced, mature believers in the group missed. And if you hold it to yourself, they won't get it. Be encouraged. Share it. Don't think you don't have something to offer just because you're new or young. If you have an insight that the Lord puts on your heart that you see 
offer it to the group. It may be just exactly what somebody in that group needs. Another form of group learning is found in our small group uh, system. We, we thrive in small groups here at Celebration Center. Some groups come together to study a specific topic like financial management or marriage relationships. And others may just be life communities that gather together to wrestle with the issues of life and the wisdom of scripture that can help us through those times. Group study might be something you do once in a while. Maybe it's not an all the time thing, but don't ignore the valuable resources of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the growth of our roots in the word. And there may be some of you that feel like you have a, a calling to do more, to start some ministry, to serve in some way, and you want to grow beyond uh, just Bible studies and personal studies. So you consider formal Bible classes. We have right here at Celebration two avenues you can do that. Instay, Institute of Theology by extension, or Discover Ministry School. Both of those things happen right here at, on, on this campus. And you can go and you can get more in-depth uh, study of the word and you can go deeper and deeper. Some may even decide to go attend Bible college, be it physically or online. Those are options for those who want to go further in their life of ministry. So kind of coming into the, the home stretch here, as Christians, our charge is to live according to the word. Listen to what Jesus said when he was being tempted in the desert by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, he was tempted when one of the temptations was to turn these rocks into stone or turn these stones into bread. And this is what Jesus said. He was quoting another verse in, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, but he said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew living according to the word was key. Later on, Jesus boiled it down to two things. He's, he made it simple for us. Yes, that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to study the word and find all the, the other richness that is in there. But he, he boiled it down when he was asked about the greatest commandments. And we know what those are, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't remember anything else at the moment from the word, you follow those two principles, you're probably going to be okay. You're probably going to be okay. I do want to take just a couple minutes and put a plug in here. Since we're talking about being rooted in the word, um, our church is committed to a process we call rooted. And uh, rooted is a, is a process that has multiple purposes. One is to provide new people to Celebration Center a way to know exactly what we believe here about the scripture, about God, about Jesus, about living together as Christians. It's a way to get them rooted into what we believe here. Another purpose is to provide a connection point 
for people who would like to be involved in a small group. This is a way to get started, and we expect most rooted groups will continue on as life communities and continue to sharpen one another as they pursue the Lord. But all of those purposes have at its core the better understanding of Scripture to, in effect, become rooted in the faith through the truth of the Bible. Now, we had multiple rooted groups this past spring as a way of introducing this tool to our, our membership. And we are anticipating launching at least two rooted groups this coming fall uh, to uh, give that opportunity to more, uh, more folks. So if you're thinking that's a good opportunity for you to connect, to meet people, and become more deeply rooted in Scripture, stay tuned. Towards the end of August, we will have information about fall groups. Rooted won't be the only kind of groups that we have, but those will be an option. And if you're wondering if Rooted is right for you, there were 60 or 70 people that went through the group or went through Rooted this past spring. So find one of them, ask them what it was like, and see if it just might fit and work for you. That's the end of my plug, end of my advertisement. So I started this morning by referencing what Pastor Chris taught us last week and that I hope this morning, I prayed this morning, would be empowering to you to live your best for Jesus. Being rooted in the Word of God is one of the most empowering undertakings you can take on. This morning, if nothing else, I hope your understanding of the importance of God's word and your desire to seek it in your own life is just a little bit bigger than it was when you walked in this morning. If that's where we got, then I will count this as a success. I just want to wrap up in prayer, and then we will go out and enjoy this beautiful, warm, sunny day. Uh, so let's, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you that you took the time to reveal yourself to us through a written word, that you made it possible for us to know you, to know your character, to know how we should live our best life. I just thank you that you gave us that through your word. And I pray, Father, that you would bring your word alive to each of us as we pursue it, as we look to study it, as we <clears throat> look to see what we learn from it, even to find those things that will be a rebuke to us that we need to correct. Lord, I pray you will make it alive to us. Your word is called a living word, and it can speak to our circumstances, no matter, no matter what they may be. And I just thank you for the wisdom in this word. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will walk out of here with a greater desire to look into your word, to pursue it, and to become deeply rooted in the truth of your word. I thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.